0: Welcome to another episode of This Week in Legal Blogging, in which we talk with leading bloggers from across the legal industry. This program is presented by LexBlog, providing lawyers with turnkey digital publishing solutions and strategic consulting for 16 years. My name is Bob Ambroji. I am the host and I uh, write the blog Law Sites. I also have a podcast called Law Next, in which I have conversations with innovators and entrepreneurs in law. And uh, this program uh, has been going for quite a while. You can find all of our past episodes up on YouTube at youtube.com lexblog. And a reminder, you can also listen to this as a podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we are joined today by Jamie LaPlante, who is a labor and employment attorney in Columbus, Ohio, with the firm Bailey Cavalieri. And uh, she writes the blog, Ohio. Welcome to the show.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Good to talk to you. I hope I didn't mangle the name of your firm. Cavalieri, is that right?
1: Cavalieri, yeah. It's it's often uh, butchered as far as pronunciation.
0: Well, I was thinking of Felix Cavalieri, who was the uh, Spoon, not the Lovings, but what was he? An old, (laughs) long ago music group. Um, I can't even think of what it was, but. Anyway, how are you doing?
1: I am doing well. I think I'm like most people. I am balancing a whole lot of plates that are spinning and some days they all come crashing on the desk and some days they don't.
0: Yeah, that's kind of sums up but that kind of sums up the condition for all of us these days. I think it's well put. Um, it must be a, it must be an interesting time to be practicing labor and employment law. What's your what's your practice been like these last 8 months or so?
1: It's been a lot of advice and counseling, a lot of um, advice on the Paycheck Protection Act, the different sick leave laws that come with um, the coronavirus pandemic, a lot of sick leave issues, a lot of dealing with working from home um, and a lot less litigation. For quite some time there, there was almost no litigation. The courts have slowed. Now we're seeing that pick up, but it's it's very unpredictable and not typical of what the last decade or so has been.
0: Yeah. And what is your practice normally like, or what is your practice basically like?
1: It's usually a 50-50, but it swings from year to year. But litigation is just not the focus. I think most people especially aren't filing it at companies against other companies for like non-compete litigation. But I think that everybody is trying to tread water.
0: Yeah, and you're doing uh, labor and employment law on behalf of employers. Are you mostly Ohio-based or where, where's your clients?
1: Mostly Ohio-based and mostly um, Central Ohio, although throughout the state. Um, I have I have some clients that have 50 state operations, but they're based in Ohio.
0: Um, so you have the, the blog, Ohio Employment Law Matters, uh, which is a fairly new blog, about a year and a half. I think he's launched it in June 2019. Uh, How did you get into blogging in the first place?
1: When I was at my prior firm as an associate, we were sort of voluntold to blog. And I actually really liked it, and I thought it was a good way to get just enough information out there that people realize that you know what you're talking about. They realize possibly, Hey, I have that issue. I never thought of until it's going to turn really bad. So maybe I ought to seek out advice. So it, you need to strike a good balance there, but I thought it was a good marketing tool. And I think that my prior firm was on the front end of blogging. Now everybody has a blog, but when I switched firms, I thought I should get, I should get one of my own.
0: Yeah. Well, next thing you're to do is start a podcast because now everybody has a podcast too. But well, <laughs> that's another topic. Um, and and so so and it looks to me like you joined your current firm close in time to when you also started the blog. There is that right? Do I have that right?
1: Yeah. Right when I got there, I started getting the groundwork done and building it, and that was pretty cool. Actually, building it from the ground up, picking what it would look like and everything.
0: Yeah. What was that process like? How did you go about figuring out where to, what platform to use and where to host it and, and all of that?
1: I use LexBlog because a lot of people do. Most of the firms do. And that's what I was already familiar with. And so I worked with that. And one of the other attorneys at my current firm has a blog. And I said, I like his. Let's retool it the way I want it. So use that platform. But let's customize it to what I want.
0: So you had a kind of a template in mind that you had seen elsewhere and just just kind of adapted that to, to your uh, to what you wanted to do. And, and what did you want to do with the blog? I mean, having done it before, were you happy with how what you had been doing before? Did you want to do it a little bit differently or, or uh, what was what was your thinking on that?
1: I wanted to do it a little bit differently. I had learned a lot of the posts um, that we did, I thought were a little bit too long. I like to keep them something someone can digest on their cell phone and something that typewritten on your computer is a full single space page is not something someone can digest on a smartphone while they're sitting waiting for something they've got five minutes to kill. And that's what I like to keep my blogs to something that someone can scroll through and decide, does this even matter to me or do I want to really read this in depth? so i like to keep them short although some of them on the coronavirus just because that's so complex those are, have been a little bit more lengthy
0: yeah i was going to say some of the, some employment law topics are not easily amenable to short uh, to short blog posts i would think and especially in this time what have been uh, what are some of the topics that you you've been writing about recently i mean do they tend to all be covid related in some way or is that all anybody's thinking about
1: A lot of them, although yesterday I just did a Veterans Day post to remind people if you're um, doing work with the federal government, you probably have affirmative action obligations. So a reminder that happy Veterans Day, but also if you are a federal contractor that comes with some veterans hiring and outreach obligations. So not all of them, but in the last six months, I would say 90 percent have been COVID related.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. And um, so who do you. See who, who's reading your blog? Who's the audience for your blog? Or who do you want the audience to be for your blog?
1: I push out email updates and I have subscribers so people who get them automatically But I track the analytics and then I share them on my LinkedIn Which I have a lot of LinkedIn connections that I've built over the years. I also share them out on Twitter And I look at the analytics and it looks like a lot of them come from social media. So I'm going to assume that's people clicking from LinkedIn, but those people tend not to then click the membership, but that's just fine. It's not that much of a burden to then hit the, um, share on Twitter and LinkedIn, but it seems like a lot, but some are organic searches.
0: Yeah. And do you have a sense of, of who they are, who those people are, who are, are reading it? I mean, are, are they uh, uh, employers themselves or are they other lawyers or or what do you think?
1: I, I don't know. You can see some of the analytics on the companies that they're, that they're coming and where they're located, the states they're located in. I don't have a sense. Now, I do occasionally see contacts out and they'll say, hey, I read your blog post. So I know yeah. at least people I know in either the legal community or clients of mine are reading them.
0: Yeah. Do you uh, who do you want to want to be reading it? Who do you who are you thinking about as your audience when you're writing a blog post?
1: I try to write it so that it is something that someone who does not have a law degree can digest. So the typical HR person or business owner or someone who needs employment law advice would read it. So I try not to write it so that it is to be is designed to be um, read by a lawyer.
0: Yeah. Are you, um, had you, you mentioned that you had been writing at your prior firm, writing blog posts. Had you had any writing experience other than that? I mean, obviously legal writing, but like journalism experience, any other kind of a writing background before you started working on the blog?
1: No, I didn't. No. And so that's why early on, I think mine were lengthier. I think a lot of the people's were lengthier. And as I started seeing other firms and seeing what really worked, I think we got the most clicks on the shorter. This is something that just came out. This law just passed. And the earlier you are to the issue, the more clicks you tend to get. And so spending the time perfecting a really lengthy, very detailed post isn't as useful as getting it out there first. Right.
0: Yeah. There's I I, there's two possibly two schools of thought on that. I mean, possibly you can be doing both as well, and 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 get the clicks both ways. But uh, you know, do the do the quick, hit and then uh, also do the more detailed analysis, and uh, uh, have it go both ways. Um, do you, uh, you you mentioned uh, that you saw this as as a marketing tool? Was that primarily the reason that you wanted to launch it? Was to help build up your your practice at the firm?
1: Yeah. Not just to build clients, but to build credibility. Um, so when people are looking for local counsel, they know, you know what you're talking about. They can look at your writing. They can look at what you're talking about. Um, and just to build up reputation. So not only just gain new clients, but also just build a practice.
0: Do you have any sense of, uh, whether it has been successful for you at all in in that regard?
1: I think it's one of those things that takes a long time to see the um, fruits of that labor. I don't think it's an immediate thing, but I definitely know that people are reading them. And particularly during COVID, when I would send out posts and I would send them out to people within my firm, make sure your clients are seeing this. This is stuff they need to know right now, because the law was changing on a day-to-day basis. I know that people were calling me and saying, well, I read your post, but I don't really understand this piece of it. So during that period of time, I can tell you I definitely got work. So it was working in the short term. But I think those long-term practice building gains, I think that takes years to build.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely it does. Uh, and, I mean, one of the things uh, that also comes out of doing a blog over time is, is other kinds of recognition. I mean, just getting asked to speak at, you know, bar events or, or uh, getting quoted in the media probably hasn't been too many bar events happening, uh, in, uh, at least in the last eight months. Uh, but have you seen any of that kind of stuff resulting from the blog? I mean, have you gotten any speaking invitations or, or anything like that coming out of it?
1: Yeah, I did, um, several credit union, um, conferences talking about, um, website accessibility because I kind of have a practice in that, which is related to labor and employment, but the ADA aspects of public accommodations. And I did a lot of speaking on that. And I would refer back to my blog posts. And I try to keep that area current.
0: So is your blog accessible?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hope so.
0: I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Um, what about, uh, and you and you write the blog solely on your own, right? There's not anybody else at the firm contributing to it.
1: No, except I think I have had a few um, assistants through our summer clerks, and I try to give them credit if they've done the first draft for me.
0: Yeah. So uh, how often do you write a blog post?
1: Um, I try to do a couple a month, if and every single time something new comes out. So if there is a new law, I will absolutely do a post for that, but otherwise I will try to fill in with things you ought to be thinking about if there's nothing new coming down. I predict if we've got a new administration coming in, we're going to have a lot of changes in probably 2021 is Mm -hmm. going to be a flurry of new activity, especially at the agency level. So I'll be doing a lot of blogging about new developments. But when there's lulls, there's always interesting cases where people can learn something from what someone either did right or wrong. Right.
0: And how do you keep up with these developments in the law so that you can blog about them is this something you would do in the normal routine anyway or are you doing something more because you have the blog in order to keep up with uh, the news
1: No, I just read the normal stuff that I would do to keep up on the law and whenever I see anything and I try to keep an Ohio focus whenever I see anything that hey that's something that people ought to know about it's not just interesting to me because it's because I'm a lawyer but it's something that your everyday is affected if you are dealing with employees.
0: Yeah, of course. So much of a labor and employment law is going to be federal law. I assume most of what you're writing about is federal, not Ohio state law or not developments in Ohio law.
1: Is, is yeah, it, in the cases I try to keep Sixth Circuit Ohio specific because reporting on an odd California decision I don't really think does much for my viewers or my viewers or people who read it.
0: Yeah. Um, And then, I mean, you mentioned LinkedIn. Are you you promoting it out through any other social media? Are you on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I, I do Twitter and I share other people's tweets. I try to build that network. I have not yet mastered Twitter and probably everything I could be doing with it. But I feel like I've got a good amount of connections in LinkedIn, so I just try to use both. But my Twitter started in its infancy, and I had zero followers two years ago, so it's still building up.
0: Yeah, well, if you find somebody who's mastered Twitter, send them my way because I I don't think anybody has. But uh, um. did you – I'm curious in, in, again, going from – uh, contributing to somebody else's blog and then coming to this firm and starting your own blog. Uh, d- did you, was it, was it smooth running to get it up and going? Did you encounter any kind of glitches? Were there any hurdles that you had to overcome to get it going? Any?
1: Just the process of building it. I think yeah. that took some time and longer than I thought. I kind of thought it was and click and you've got a one size fits all. Like you just go to the Amazon of legal blog websites, and I didn't realize it was actually kind of built from the ground up. So that took some time and longer than I thought it would. But once I had it up and running, I was used to logging in. And at first, I wrote my posts in Word. Now I just write them directly in the website. I just find it faster.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I go back and forth on that. I mostly just write inside the blog uh, interface, but. Sometimes if I'm writing a really long post, which I know I'm not supposed to be doing, I, I do it in Word just because it's easier, and then cut and paste it in. Uh, what, what else Is there anything else you've done to promote the blog, to build up the readership around it, besides the, the social media stuff?
1: I bug all of my um, partners and colleagues at my new firm. So I when there's something big that I think they ought to let their clients know, I bug them. And by the way, also make sure that they... Because then or tell their HR person to subscribe because they could get all of this free content that I'm putting out there. So I try to bug my colleagues to um, also promote it to their clients, especially when it's something that's a big breaking development in employment law. But I think that's pretty much it. And every time I get a new client, I try to send them an invite to subscribe.
0: Do you, does your, are there others at your firm who blog or have blogs, not on your blog, but their own?
1: Yes. Yeah. I think we have two others and one of which I used his. That's his, right.
0: You mentioned you used his template.
1: Made mine look similar, but custom to what I wanted. So I think there are two others, but I could be wrong. It might just be one other.
0: Yeah. Um, how, wh- how big is your firm?
1: We have uh, about 55, 57 attorneys, something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are they, do they have, are they supportive of your blogging? Do they, uh, have they, have you, do you talk to them about it at all? Or is that something you kind of just done on your own or.
1: I've kind of done it on my own, but they've definitely been supportive of it. Um, and using it as a marketing tool that right now, because we're not having lunches and coffees and stuff with people there isn't a whole lot you can be doing for face-to-face marketing or getting with clients. So I, and like you said, there's not the conferences, there's not the bar association meetings. Those are all done virtual, which I think something is lost there that I think having a blog gives you a leg up as far as at least getting in front of people virtually.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, has your own, um, well, I guess, I guess I sort of already asked. This has your own blogging kind of evolved over time. Is it, other than the writing style of it, which you've gotten from longer posts to shorter posts, have there been other ways in which you've you've changed your approach to blogging or the way you write blog posts? Have anything you've been learned about what you think makes for a better or a worse blog post?
1: Um, I try to always include a header picture because, and I try to in in like inject just a little bit more humor. I think I was a lot more serious in the writing early on because you're a lawyer and you're supposed to be. I think the headlines, I try to make them a little bit catchier. It just depends on how much time I have to think of a catchy way of saying something. I got kind of cutesy with some of the titles for the mask ones early on in the pandemic. And then sometimes they're just plain boring, new law about this. Or like, happy Veterans Day, uh, you know, sometimes, but I think I've done a little bit more, you said, do you have a journalism background? I didn't. So I've kind of evolved in what works and doesn't undermine your credibility by being too cutesy.
0: Yeah. Um, the images can always be tricky. I mean, are you, how, how do you go about getting and selecting images and, and making sure that you have uh, rights to them? Or are you not doing that?
1: Most of them, I use like the Microsoft free pics. There's lots of those, in like your work. Yeah. And right. I've actually, I think one blog post, I may have used a picture I've taken. Yeah.
0: Um, so, uh, several of the uh, people I've I've I'm talking to. Who on this program so far that, that, uh, we've interviewed have been people who've been blogging for a number of years. And in some cases, so many years that they don't even remember how they started the blog or the whole process of starting the blog. And, and the fact that you did this more recently, uh, it, is there anything that you, any lessons that you have for somebody else who might be starting a blog, any advice you give them on, uh, how to go about doing it or what's the best way to go about doing it?
1: I think if you are thinking about starting it, not to get, um, caught up in you don't have the tech capability to do it you're not going to be able to update the email subscribe timing and all of that that is all pretty user-friendly if you work with a vendor that makes it pretty user-friendly or utilize your support person so a lot of people I know use their admin but I think a lot of people are intimidated by blogging just because they the tech piece of it I think turns them off
0: yeah. Although that, uh, hope, hopefully, people are are getting more used to a lot of this uh, tech, at least if nothing else, over the last uh, over the last eight months. Um, and what about again coming back to this question of of starting it uh, in part to uh, help uh, help build up your your practice? I know you don't have sort of tangible. Results that you can point to to say yes, this person hired. Well, I guess you did actually have a couple of people who contacted you through the blog. But um, do you? Would you advise other people to do that? I mean, do you think overall it's been it it's worked for you and it's it's been a a good use of your time?
1: Yeah, and the time commitment really isn't that much. I think if you're spending more than an hour on each of your posts, you're maybe dumping too much time in it. Now, I have spent more than an hour on a post before, but that's been there's a new law and it's 60 pages long. Would I have digested that law anyway, because I needed to know it. Well, I don't really count that as time spent on the blog. So I think it really isn't that much of a time commitment to actually do the blogs. And a lot of it is just stuff I would do anyway, keeping up on the law.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Jamie, I, I, I've been asking you a bunch of questions, and I always like to uh, leave it uh, leave it to my guests to uh, say anything, any closing thoughts, or share any advice they'd like to give uh, uh, as we as we get near to wrapping up the show. So anything else that you'd like to add about blogging or lessons you've learned?
1: Um, make sure you uh, spell check your blog posts. <laughs> freedom. <laughs> it's, it's amazing the amount that I've seen where there are spelling errors. And I've, I've seen some of my own and I've updated them later so that they're not sitting out there forever on the internet with a spelling mistake. But that's a big one is remember that this is how you're presenting yourself to the world. And another thing I try to do is make sure that to the extent I can I try not to mention company names when I'm talking about a case unless it really seems to matter because sometimes that can offend companies, even though it's, it's public information. It's a case that came out. It happened to go against them. I find it's just better maybe not to mention the parties involved unless it really seems to add something to the post.
0: That's interesting. Have you ever written about your own cases or clients?
1: I don't believe that I have that it would be identifiable. I've written about like, do this, don't do this. But I think that they were very loosely based on examples I've encountered rather than actual cases. Just I've seen this situation come up multiple times. So do this or don't do this.
0: Yeah. Have you thought about whether you would do that? I mean, if you were litigating a matter that was public record or something that involved, you know, a, a client of yours and you got a favorable outcome, is that something you'd write about?
1: I don't think that I would.
0: Interesting. All right. Well, uh, anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up?
1: No, I appreciate the time. And this was fun once we got all the technology worked out. Video conferencing is an adventure in 2020. <laughs>
0: It really is. Uh, Every day is an adventure in 2020, living on video. Uh, Well, Jamie, thank you very much. I really appreciate your taking the time, and it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. And uh, we've been speaking with Jamie LaPlante, labor and employment attorney in Columbus, Ohio, and author of Ohio Employment Law Matters. And you've been watching or listening to This Week in Legal Blogging. Presented by Lexblog, which provides lawyers with turnkey digital publishing solutions and strategic consulting. Until uh, next week at the same time, same place, this is Bob Ambrogi. Thanks for listening.